My name's uh, Ned Elliott. I'm the chef owner here at uh, Foreign and Domestic um, in Austin, Texas. And uh, we're, we're located on, at, basically at the very end of uh, North Loop. Um, it becomes 53rd, but it's right around the corner from, from the actual North Loop. And um, our restaurant here, we're a small mom-and-pop operation. It's me and my, um, my partner, Jody, and um, my business partner, Jody. And we, I'd say the premise of the restaurant is sort of, um, you know, new American food. Um, we do a lot of French technique. Um, and then a, a big thing for, for myself with the food part of it, with the savory part of it, is using a lot of different offcuts. Um, you know, uh, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, was adopted by two women. And my mom, Sandra, um, used to cook all sorts of things from, you know, beef tongue sandwiches to brains and eggs on Sunday, after, Sunday mornings and having cottage cheese pancakes and things like that. We, when we were open for brunch, we used to serve. That was my great, great great-grandmother's recipe from like I think my mom says uh, 18 like 92 somewhere around there Amazing. of the cottage cheese pancake that they would make um, their own cottage cottage cheese out of a uh, clabber cream and so um, yeah you know sort of keeping with that the more and more that I keep cooking you know the more and more that I just I sort of gravitate to like sort of two things is sort of that um, you know Appalachia um, of you know, sort of the foodstuffs and just the salt of the earth cooking like that. And then also of, you know, um, just old school French and that I sort of came up in, you know, working for Alain Ducasse um, of doing, you know, very fine, very focused French food. And so you won't really get too much of the, the, the French food here, some of the influences and things, you know, and some maybe some of the sauce work. But, um, you know, the things from like having country ham, we just got a new country ham um, to put on the menu. Um, and trying to get some of uh, some of Jody's, uh, they have a huge ranch um, down by Gonzalez, her family, and so uh, trying to get her brother to shoot some hogs and go down there with him and, and get some of those uh, legs and start making our own country hams from those. Yeah, I love, um, it. I love it. What about um, one, one of the hidden secrets I think here uh, is y'all's your fish. Your fish. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you prepare? I know you do different cuts of fish, but I'm always amazed at how how crispy you can get the skin yeah i mean we (laughs) yeah when we do that when we when we have fish with the skin on you know it's one of those things of you know sort of starting on higher medium heat and then putting it down and letting it go you know on low medium heat and just really just caramelizing the skin as as, you know but not doing it at high high heat you know we want to do that at you know a slower heat so it renders out and gets that sort of fat layer you know right now we have an irish ocean trout that's basically you know, it's in, in the salmon family, you know, it's basically a, um, a steelhead. Um, and so you have that nice little fat layer and you render that out and just crisp, you know, and just barely touch the flesh. Um, you know, it's one of the things, you know, one of the first ways that I was shown how to cook um, fish. I love like walleye and wild striped bass. You know, walleye and wild striped bass are my two favorite. I'd say wild striped bass is my favorite, like, thing to eat in the world. Um, and not necessarily like, you know, the smaller striped bass that are farm raised, but, you know, East Coast, Mid-Atlantic, you know, all the way up to um, Massachusetts um, and a little bit in Maine. But just the striped bass from up there, it's just so amazing, which unfortunately can't get in Texas. It's yeah. not allowed in. Um, That's a shame. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Every now and then we bring some in, right. um, you know, that purveyors here can't have it, but we can get some flown in. You know, for us, you can buy direct. I got, I got you. Yeah. So uh, you, you were quoted one time to say, uh, uh, and I'm curious if you still hold this true. 
uh, of, of maybe budding chefs to say, hey, don't go to, don't worry about going going to culinary school. You know, take that money and go live somewhere for a while. Do, do you still subscribe oh, to yeah. that point of view? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that. I mean, I think culinary school serves a great purpose, but I think that you know, cooking is such a, sort of a hands-on craft that you know, if if you're able to get your hands on twenty-five or thirty thousand um, dollars, you know, I, I think it would just you know that you can immerse yourself whether you're you know you're really interested at that point in your life in you know Southeast Asia or Europe or Russia or Africa or wherever it is or even just going to another city in the U.S., you know, um, you know I, I think it's just, it's just, it's hands-on, and you, you know, you get to really, I mean, you can, you know, do what we call a stage or like an apprenticeship, um, you know, and you're generally not paid, especially if you go to Europe and anything that's, you know, within the world's 50 best from San Pellegrino, or, you know, if you're lucky to get in there, or something that's, you know, a Michelin-starred restaurant, but it's one of those things where it's sort of, you know, you know, quote-unquote, like grad school. You know, it's like, hey, look, you're not here to make any money. You're here to learn. And, you know, that's the way I looked at, you know, the first five years that I moved to New York um, was that I was going to be in New York and that I was going to, you know, work my tail off and knew that I was going to work at least 80 hours a week, if not more. And that, you know, with that, it was, it would pay off in the end, you know, and that, I mean, it's never been, you know, this thing for me to go around and, and make money. You know, that, that wasn't, that's never been, like, the paycheck's never been why I've taken a job. It's always been like, okay, is this the right fit? Is this one I want to, you know, going to learn at? When when did you know that you kind of had it? Like, you know, let, let's say 100 people go to a culinary school. You know some of them are just going to be sous chefs for the rest of their lives. When, when did, what, at what age did that little light click on in your head where you're like, I, I think I got something special going here? I don't know if I ever had that. I think I, I, I just, I really, really enjoyed, you know, being in a restaurant and being in a kitchen. Um, I played sports my whole life. And so I just was, I went to college in Montana and um, basically lasted a semester and a half and was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so sick and tired of people telling me what to do. And you know, that sort of rebellion, rebellion, rebellious side of me. And it was like, okay, whatever. And I worked at, my first job was a, um, in, a, uh, in a greasy spoon. Um, an Irish, quote-unquote, Irish pub. And then from there, um, I went and uh, was the cook of a sorority. Um, sorority, and then they had a fraternity next to them, so right. I did both. And then I, I just stumbled upon a place that was in Missoula, Montana, that the uh, chef um, had been um, been in, what was it, Portland, Oregon, and San Francisco for a long time. I worked at Zuni Cafe in Chez Panisse and had basically taken over a lunch counter and it just turned me on to that and you know it, it's very much like being you know on a sports team you know you, you call like your kitchen staff and stuff you know people do you call them your team you know and you can you have you know a bad service is like yeah you lost you know and you have that instant gratification you know sort of thing and, and two it's a very physical activity which I was always very good at you know and so yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things where it's just like, okay, you know, I and I never had any problem um, working long hours, and I always flourished when it was just like very militaristic, you know, the French kitchens that I worked in in New York, where it was just like, you're gonna put your head down, and you're gonna do it like this. I was like, okay, that's fine, that's perfect, thank you, you know, like you're gonna give me all the direction, all I have to do is do it. For my myself, I don't think that I'm so much of an artist, you know, I think I'm way more of just a craftsman, 
you know, I mean, I always tell Jody that, like, I mean, people, and I, I'm, I'm glad that people really, you know, it's awesome that people really like what, what, what we're able to do and what I'm able to do. But I always tell Jody that, I mean, she is an artist and she is like leaps and bounds, like ahead of where I ever have been or ever will be, that she's so good at what she does, you know, that she, it's almost, you know, ridiculous. I mean, it comes easy to her, you know, and that that's one of the big things, you know, for us to get her bake shop open, you know, is that I'm so excited to just see, I mean, the first three months will be a grind, you know, like anything, you know, basically six months, three months before you open and three months after you open. But after that, when she's just, you know, let loose and can do what she wants to do, um, you know, it's going to be unreal. And I, I think, you know, I, I, there is definitely a fine line. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, over the years, I've finally, you know, I don't know, maybe two years ago, two and a half, three years ago, um, you know, figured out that, look, I want to cook for people and stop cooking for myself you know, that I don't need to see my ego on the plate anymore, and that I love to cook, you know, and that, that was sort of one of the premises here, was that, you know, we, we, we just love to cook, you know, and love to bake, and love to do all of those things that go with in doing a restaurant. We wanted a place small enough that it was manageable, um, and then also some place that you could go, and, you know, and people are always like, oh, it's like a, you know, like a day off. It's like, yeah, I get to go somewhere five days a week and work, you know, and, and that's great, you know, rather than you know, having some place that you're like, I have to be in an office all day answering emails and looking over, you know, balance sheets and things like that. So I think there's been a huge change in the past couple of years, you know, A, in Austin and then B, just the U.S. of like, would you like to go out to dinner, you know, like the ground round, you know, and it's just this, you know, menu that never changes and something. Or would you like to go and, you know, go to maybe somebody that has like a local steakhouse that you can see the chef in there like four or five times and you know, four or five days a week, and you know that, like, it's, you know, it's locally owned, and it's it's someone that's not just opening it and walking away, you know, it's somebody that's there, and I think that, you know, it's become a lot more important for people um, to do that, and it's, I think it's more fun, yeah. you know, and too, I think, you know, looking at the, uh, um, I, don't, I don't think we were the first, you know, here in Austin, I mean, we're certainly not the first, but Living in Brooklyn and then living in Portland, Oregon had a huge influence on us on just from the aesthetic of a restaurant and the size of a restaurant. Yeah. You know, we wanted to have something that just not necessarily anybody can open, meaning this, but if you're a young chef, you know, to be able to get loans and credit cards and things like that to open up, you know, a, a restaurant, you know, it, we did it for under a quarter of a million dollars, you know, or in better terms because that still sounds you put million into it that still sounds a lot you know under two hundred fifty thousand dollars yeah you know and that's not i could you know we always dreamt of maybe doing something in in new york and you're like okay we're gonna have to do it for four times that and i was always very hesitant you know like okay you open up you're like there's a million dollars with my name on it uh but you know it's like okay you have you know ninety five thousand or eighty five thousand that we had when we opened in credit card debt and you know another 170 to loans that's not too bad yeah i mean sometimes you get a little bit uh you know a little bit too much you know free time and get caught up with that i i I have my uh i have an iphone through verizon and i have my upgrade i think sometime this week and i'm going actually getting a flip phone that i can't get email can't get (laughs) texts and can't do anything on the internet and that way i mean just just i want to you know sort of like 
sort of deadened that that area. You know, and it's like okay, I'm by my laptop or my iPad. You know, I mean, I'm a single guy that I have, you know, a phone, an iPad, and a laptop. And it's like really, and then I also have Apple TV. Yeah. So it's like, how many different forms that I can get onto the internet do I need? You know, and it's like I'll find myself sometimes like, you know, typing something up have like ESPN open on my iPad, have my phone on Twitter, and then have the TV on like an old, like on Netflix. And I'm like, I really need this much stimulation while I'm like, you know, writing out a recipe or, you know, revising the menu, you know, at 1130 at night on a Monday. I love it. <laughs> I love it. About somewhere between 7 to 7.45, we normally run out. We, uh, we get um, six to 800, depending on what we can, you know, um, what all our fish purveyors send us, um, you know, two East Coast um, oysters, one from East Coast of America, one from, from Canada. And, uh, I mean, the inspiration was really uh, basically from Twitter, from a guy, um, Bo Vestal, that has a place in um, Providence called New Rivers. Hmm. Um, he actually just uh, bought it from the, the founder, opening chef, and, and owner, I think about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, and was always seeing, like, Tuesday night, they were doing Oyster Night, and he was like, oh, thanks for everybody coming out for Dollar Oyster Night, you know, it was a great night and crazy, and, you know, the one, I've always been hesitant on doing, like, gimmicky things, you know, and been like, oh, hey, tonight's, like, fried chicken night, and then tonight's Oyster Night, you know what I mean, all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, every single night of the week, we have, you know, it's wind down Wednesdays, and all of that stuff, and so, I was like, look, you know what, we don't have a raw bar, and all that, and I think it'd be, I love oysters, and it'd be a nice component and stuff. And so let's just see how it is. So like the first, the first week we got 200 and sold out in like seven to eight minutes. And I was like, really? I thought, I thought 200, I'm like, ah, you know, every table will get, you know, people will get three each, a half dozen, you know. But, you know, unknowing me, you know, it was like, oh, okay, well, if they're a dollar, I'll, I'll buy 24 of them and have yeah. two, two beers, you know, spend 28 bucks which is awesome. And so, I mean, it, and it fits in with what I want to do, you know, moving forward, we're going to take out the, this, um, the short counter, um, the lower counter and raise it up a little bit and put in a raw bar, um, to where it'll be, you know, that we would probably have three to four different oysters, you know, we'll still have dollar oyster night that we'll just have two oysters and then the rest of the week, three to four different oysters. Um, you know, and, and really with the raw bar really wanted to be, you know, that we get in a bunch of stuff that you, ca- that you can't get, you know, anywhere else, um, you know, from the, uh, the red shrimp of Spain to baby eel um, coming out of the Mediterranean to maybe some gooseneck barnacles and things like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, to periwinkles and whelks and all things like that, you know, and soft shell clams. Um, and so that, and that fits in with what we do, you know, is we try not to, you know, you know, sort of duplicate, you know, what other people are doing. We want to be able to do what we do. And, Absolutely. and also, you know, it, it's a thing for me, you know, we bring in, you know, country hams and things like that, you know, that other people might not have. And we want to, you know, we like when we do our oyster program and hopefully I'll be up and going in the fall is like, you know, run 50%, 60% cost that we don't need to, you know, that'll be a draw to bring people in mm-hmm. and we don't need to make money on that. You know, I mean, if we, all of a sudden, look, and everybody is, that's all they're eating is oysters? Okay, wait a second, you know, yeah. then we'll have to revise it. You know, we always want this restaurant, you know, we always feel that it's something that, yeah, you know, no matter where your, your economic standing is, is that you can come in, you know, and it can be, you know, this could be, you know, the biggest blowout night and the most special dinner of your life, and we think that that's awesome, you know, or it could be, you know, just I'm getting a plate of pasta on my way home or a bowl of risotto, 
and that, that's a really fun thing. And I think, you know, that spurring on some of the, you know, um, people that we have working with us is that it's like, hey, we, there are no rules. There's no like, hey, we have to have a burger and fries. You know, we had a burger um, on the menu for a year and we took it off. And yeah, the first week there were, you know, the front of the house was like, oh, there's a lot of complaints. I'm like, really? How many? Fifteen out of you know the five hundred and eighty people that came in, you know that's fine. You know maybe we'll bring it back. Maybe we'll do you know one night that we have five of them that we don't say anything, and if you ask for it, then you can get it. You know, but it's like there's nothing that ever other than the the beef tongue, you know. And if that becomes you know to the point where we're just like eh, I'm sick and tired of seeing it, then we'll take that off too. Yeah. How do you, how do you stay sharp from daily execution running the restaurant? to understanding that there are these possibilities that exist out there. How do, how do you kind of keep your culinary chops, if you will, uh, of, of, of exploring new things? I mean, I think, I think one of the big things is just like reading, you know, reading whether it's on the internet, magazines, um, you know, talking with, you know, my peers, um, you know, and that, uh, fortunate through the restaurant. And then also, you know, that's another, you know, huge thing via, via Twitter has been able to, you know, form a lot of really good um, relationships with um, different guys and girls from around the around the country. Um, you know, and I think that this is sort of like the golden era of like chefs really like communicating and you know sort of swapping ideas and telling people like, yeah, man, I got it from here, I got it from there. Where you know, just five years ago, you know, uh, it would be it would be hard to you know you'd be hard pressed to be like, oh, okay, can you you know go ask somebody where did they get that beef from? You know, they're like, eh, I got it. You know, I, I, I get my beef from where I get my beef, you know, and everything was like, you know, so people were so secretive and chefs were so secretive. Now it's like, hey, it's an open book. And we all want everybody to do well and be able to serve great product, you know, and and just have fun, yeah. you know, which is cool. On, on that on that idea of, of exploration, now that now that you and other places have, have built this food community in Austin, where, where do you see where do you see the food community where is there opportunity, maybe not for growth for, like, new places, but uh, where do you see you guys going? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that the sky's the limit here. I mean, it, there are people constantly moving here, you know, and so it's just, I mean, by, by city standards, you know, in the U.S., it's a small, it's a small city, um, you know, and it's only getting bigger. You know, I think it's, it's definitely the coolest place to live in Texas by far, by far and away, even with, you know, the central Texas heat in the summertime, you know, for three to four months, which unless we get a bunch of more 2011s, it's not that bad. (laughs) After that summer though, I was like, uh, one more of that. And I'm, I'm going to have to go to Chicago or something (laughs) because that's insane. But yeah, you know, and we, for us, I mean, I think that, you know, we want to do the, uh, the bake shop, which is definitely going to happen. And hopefully we'll be open by, you know, February of next year. And then hopefully a year after that, you know, we'll follow. Um, I want to do just a small French place, um, Very nice. you know, that will be in the same vein as what Foreign and Domestic is, but just a little bit, you know, French. I would say, you know, what we, what we tend to do, you know, like not really every Friday, but definitely every Saturday is we send, uh, you know, our front of the house manager, Aaron, up to Specs. And usually it's after the fact that we open and we're like, hey, dude, you got to run up there. It's 840 and we're slammed and, you know, it's 20 minutes round trip. And get like a bottle of uh, some sort of either bourbon or rye, you know, and it's like a glass of wine and like two or three shots of that. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I'm going home, I'm going yeah. to bed. Any advice for the, the home chef that thinks they're kind of a badass and, uh, you know, a couple recommendations? I, I mean, I would always say the big thing for me is like, you know, sort of start with the basics, learn how to 
truss and then roast a chicken, you know, and, and sort of experiment with that, you know, of brining it or stuffing, you know, um, butter underneath the skin and roasting it like that. And just, you know, I think it's one of those things where you learn like sort of the basics, the building blocks, and then the sky's the limit, you know. Um, but yeah, and, and two is like, I love, um, and I think one of the things that sort of sets foreign and domestic and the food apart is our use of acid, you know, and acid meaning like whether it's lemon juice, lime juice, or vinegars, you know, it's like, that's one thing that will set in it, you, you know, using just the right amount of acid in, in a dish, um, you know, we'll just set it apart to where you're not just like this big thud on the palate of, you know, no matter how bright it can be, you need to have some sort of acid to, to help sharpen it and brighten it up. Well, Ned, thank you so much for taking the time thank to you. be on Win in Austin. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. This is fun.